Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. I'm Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be on 2 Nephi chapter 25. Now, one of the nice things about Nephi is that he's going to help us understand better what he's just written about Isaiah. And so that's helpful for us to get a better appreciation for what he's talking about. And so this chapter um, will explain uh, the prophecies of Isaiah as, as it relates to the last days. So, beginning with verse 1. Now, I, Nephi, do speak somewhat concerning the words which I have written, which have been spoken by the mouth of Isaiah. For behold, Isaiah spake many things which were hard for many of my people to understand. It kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? A little bit like us sometimes. For behold, Isaiah spake many things which were hard for my people to understand, for they know concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. For I, Nephi, have not taught them. Oh, I'm sorry, for they know not concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. For I, Nephi, have not taught them many things concerning the manner of the Jews, for their works were works of darkness, and their doings were doings of abominations. So he doesn't want to teach them all the ways of the, of the, of, of, uh, the Jews because they, didn't, uh, they weren't keeping the commandments very good, so he doesn't want to teach them all that stuff. Wherefore, I write unto my people, unto all those that shall receive hereafter these things which I write, that they may know the judgments of God, that they come upon all nations according to the word which he hath spoken. Wherefore, hearken, O my people, which are of the house of Israel, and give ear unto my words, for because the words of Isaiah are not plain unto you, nevertheless they are plain unto all those that are filled with the spirit of prophecy. See, you guys understood Isaiah because that's what you are. You guys are filled with the spirit of the Holy Ghost. But I give unto you a prophecy according to the spirit which is in me, wherefore I shall prophesy according to the plainness which, has, which hath been with me from the time that I came out from Jerusalem with my father. For behold, my soul delighteth in plainness unto my people, that they may learn. Yea, and my soul delighteth in the words of Isaiah, for I came out from Jerusalem, and mine eyes hath beheld the things of the Jews. So he's familiar with, uh, with what's going on in Jerusalem, so he can understand Isaiah better. And I know that the Jews do understand the things of the prophets, and there is none other people that understand the things which were spoken unto the Jews like unto them, save it be that they are taught after the manner of the things of the Jews. And so it's helpful for us as we're trying to study and understand Isaiah to understand their culture and the history that they, that they came from. <clears throat> but behold, I, Nephi, have not taught my children after the manner of the Jews, but behold, I of myself have dwelt at Jerusalem, wherefore I know concerning the regions round about, and I have made mention unto my children concerning the judgments of God, which hath come to pass among the Jews, unto my children, according to all that which, hath, which Isaiah hath spoken, and I do not write them. So he's not writing everything. He didn't write the entire book of Isaiah into the scriptures, because uh, we have that ourselves. Verse 7, But behold, I proceed with mine own prophecy, according to my plainness, in the which I know that no man can err. Nevertheless, in the days that the prophecies of Isaiah shall be fulfilled, men shall know of a surety at the times when they shall come to pass. In other words, when these things do happen, then we will look at the words of Isaiah and understand exactly what he was talking about. Also, when we understand Isaiah, then we will know we are in the last days. And so we, because we are in the last days, the Lord's making these things known unto us 
so that we can understand them better. Verse 8, Wherefore they are of worth unto the children of men, and he that supposeth that they are not, unto them will I speak particularly, and confine the words unto mine own people, for I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days. For in that day shall they understand them, wherefore for their good have I written them. So in other words, um, these words are not written for Nephi or for his people that lived during his time, but this is for us in the last days. So, in fact, these first eight verses, if you go back and read them again, are the they represent Nephi's keys to being able, being able to understand Isaiah. Verse 9, And as one generation hath been destroyed among the Jews because of iniquity, even so they have been destroyed from generation to generation according to their iniquities. And never hath any of them been destroyed, save it were foretold them by the prophets of the Lord. The Lord always sends prophets to warn us of destruction. In fact, when we get tempted to do wrong, the Holy Ghost is always there also to help us and to remind us not to do the bad things that we're tempted to do. Wherefore, it hath been told them concerning the destruction which should come upon them immediately after my father left Jerusalem. Nevertheless, they hardened their hearts, and according to my prophecy, they have been destroyed, save it be those which are carried away captive into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed and took captive many in Jerusalem in 587 B.C. And now this I speak because of the Spirit which is in me, and notwithstanding they have been carried away, they shall return again, and possess the land of Jerusalem, wherefore they shall be restored again to the land. Um, land of their inheritance, the restoration of the Jews under Cyrus of Persia, and he's also talking about the restoration of the Jews in the last days too. But behold, they shall have wars and rumors of wars, and when the day cometh that the only begotten of the Father, yea, even the Father of heaven and of earth, shall manifest himself unto them in the flesh. In other words, when Christ comes on earth, behold, they will reject him because of their iniquities and the hardness of their hearts and the stiffness of their necks. And then verse 13 talks about the, uh, the crucifixion of Christ. Behold, they will crucify him, and after he is laid in a sepulcher for the space of three days, he shall rise from the dead with healing in his wings, and all those who shall believe on his name shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Wherefore, my soul delighteth to prophesy concerning him, for I have seen his day, and my heart doth magnify his holy name. And behold, it shall come to pass that after the Messiah hath risen from the dead, and hath manifested himself unto his people, unto as many as will believe on his name, behold, Jerusalem shall be destroyed again. For woe unto them that fight against God and the people of his church. In other words, Jerusalem will be destroyed around 70 A.D. by the, by the Romans, <clears throat> following Jesus' uh, crucifixion. Wherefore the Jews shall be scattered among all nations, yea, <clears throat> and also Babylon shall be destroyed. Wherefore the Jews shall be scattered by other nations, so that the scattering of the Jews will be complete throughout the world. And after they have been scattered, and the Lord God hath scourged them, By other nations, for the space of many generations, yea, even down from generation to generation, until they shall be persuaded to believe in Christ, the Son of God, <clears throat> and the atonement, which is infinite for all mankind, and when that day shall come, that they shall believe in Christ, and worship the Father in his name, with pure hearts and clean hands. One of the primary reasons for gathering Israel was to construct temples so that the ordinances of salvation and the glories of God's kingdom might be revealed to the chosen lineage. There must be many Jews that live in Jerusalem that will join the church because it will be Jews that are LDS that will build the temple in Jerusalem. Continuing verse 16, And look not forward any more for another Messiah, then at that time the day will come that it must needs be expedient 
that they should believe these things. The Jews will accept Christ as their Messiah. One of the purposes of the Book of Mormon is to convince the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. We know that uh, many Jews are beginning to believe in Christ uh, more and more all the time, and this will continue. Verse 17, And the Lord will set his hand again the second time to restore his people from their land, from their lost and fallen state. Wherefore, he will proceed to do a marvelous work and a wonder, the reestablishing of Jerusalem among the children of men. President Heber J. Grant said, Truly a great and marvelous work has come forth and been proclaimed in every land and in every clime over all the wide world. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been restored by a personal visitation of the apostles Peter, James, and John, laying their hands upon the heads of Oliver Cowdery and the prophet Joseph Smith and ordaining them to the apostleship by a personal visitation of John the Baptist who baptized the Savior, laying his hands upon Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith and ordaining them to the Aaronic priesthood or the lesser priesthood. The, the gospel is again restored to the earth with the power and authority that existed in the days of the Savior. Millions of dollars in money have been expended for erecting and maintaining temples wherein ordinances are performed for the salvation of those who have died without a knowledge of the gospel. All these things bear witness of the inspiration of God to the man, Joseph Smith, when he delivered this statement in a revelation to his father that a great and marvelous work was about to come forth among the children of men. Verse 18, Wherefore he shall bring forth his words, in other words, those of other books, unto them which words shall judge them at the last day. For they shall be given them for the purpose of convincing them of the true Messiah who was rejected by them, and unto the convincing of them that they need not look forward any more for a Messiah to come. For there shall not any come, save it should be a false, a false Messiah, which should deceive the people. For there is save one Messiah spoken of by the prophets, and that Messiah is he who should be rejected of the Jews. I think I mentioned in a different podcast that uh, the Jews believed in a Messiah that was going to be the King Messiah that would come, and uh, and that was the Messiah they were looking for, even though Isaiah prophesies of two types of Messiah, the King Messiah and the Servant Messiah. They just didn't recognize Jesus as the Servant Messiah when he came the first time, but they certainly will recognize him as the King Messiah when he comes again. Verse 19, For according to the words of the prophets, the Messiah cometh in six hundred years from the time that my father left Jerusalem. And according to the words of the prophets, and also the word of the angel of God, his name shall be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And now, my brethren, I have spoken plainly that ye cannot err. And as the Lord God liveth, that brought, up, that brought Israel up out of the land of Egypt, and gave unto Moses power that he should heal the nations, after they had been bitten by the poisonous serpents, if they would cast their eyes upon the serpent which he did raise up before them, and also gave him power that he should smite the rock, and the water should come forth, yea, behold, I say unto you, that as these things are true, and as the Lord God liveth, there is none other name given under heaven, save it be this Jesus Christ of which I have spoken, whereby man can be saved. Wherefore, for this cause hath the Lord God promised unto me that these things which I write shall be kept and preserved and handed down unto my seed from generation to generation, that the promise may be fulfilled unto Joseph, that his seed should never perish as long as the earth should stand. Wherefore, these things shall go forth from generation to generation as long as the earth shall stand, and they shall go according to the will and pleasure of God, and the nations who shall possess them shall be judged of them according to the words which are written. For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. However good a person's works, he could not be saved had Jesus not died for his and everyone else's sins. And however powerful the saving grace of Christ, it brings exaltation to no man who does not comply with the works of the gospel. 
That was President Kimball. Elder McConkie said, man cannot save himself. He cannot be saved by the works of the Mosaic law. He cannot be saved by the works of the gospel. Man cannot resurrect himself. Neither Mosaic works nor gospel works can bring, bring him forth from the grave. The resurrection comes by the grace of God. All men are resurrected, and in that sense, all are saved by grace alone. And further, no man can raise himself unto eternal life. He cannot create a state of salvation and provide the means to obtain it. Man cannot create the kingdom of God, nor can he save himself in such a kingdom. If it were not for the grace of God, as shown forth in the redemption of his Son, there could be no eternal life, neither the works of the Mosaic law, nor the works of Christian righteousness standing alone, without the grace of God as manifest in the sacrifice of his Son, could save a man. Salvation does not come into being by the works of man. It comes because of Christ and his atonement. Because there, are, there was such an atonement, man can have faith, perform the works of righteousness, endure to the end, and work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. Nephi's teachings accord with Paul's. Believe in Christ, the American Hebrew exhorts, and be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. His brother Jacob also records, Reconcile yourselves to the will of God, and not to the will of the devil and the flesh. And remember, after ye are reconciled unto God, that it is only in and through the grace of God that ye are saved. But perhaps no one has ever expounded the doctrine of salvation by grace better than Moroni did in these words. Come unto Christ, and be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you. That is, by grace ye may be perfect in Christ. Hear it, O all men, the grace of God in the full sense, in the sense of salvation, is manifest only to those who through righteousness become perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, Moroni continues, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. <clears throat> and again, if ye by the grace of God are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then are ye sanctified in Christ by the grace of God through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. God be thanked and God be praised for his goodness and grace unto the children of men. And that was Bruce R. McConkie, a new witness for the Articles of Faith. Verse 24, And notwithstanding we believe in Christ, we keep the law of Moses, and look forward with steadfastness unto Christ until the law shall be fulfilled. Keeping the law keeps you on the path. It's a discipline. For for this end was the law given. Wherefore, the law hath become dead unto us, and we are made alive in Christ because of our faith. Yet we keep the law because of the commandments. So the Nephites understood better the law of Moses than the Jews did because they knew why they kept it. And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ. This was how the law of Moses was supposed to be lived. And we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for remission of their sins. Those who are committed to Christ stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places that they may be in even until death. They retain the name of Christ always written in their hearts. They take upon themselves the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. When we live a Christ-centered life, we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we receive the pleasing word of God and feast upon his love, even when the Nephite, Nephites even when Nephi's soul was grieved because of his iniquities, he said, I know in whom I have trusted. My God hath been my support. We remember Alma's counsel, let all thy doings be unto the Lord, and whithersoever thou goest, 
let it be in the, in the Lord. Yea, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let all thy affections and thy, of thy heart be placed upon the Lord forever. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings. That was President Ezra Taft Benson. Verse 27, Wherefore we speak concerning the law that our children may know the deadness of the law, and then, and they, by knowing the deadness of the law, may look forward unto that life which is in Christ, and know for what end the law was given. And after the law is fulfilled in Christ, that they need not harden their hearts against him when the law ought to be done away. <clears throat> and now, behold, my people, you are a stiff-necked people, wherefore I have spoken plainly unto you that you cannot misunderstand. And the words which I have spoken shall stand as a testimony against you, for they are sufficient to teach any man the right way. For the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. For by denying him, ye, shall, ye also deny the prophets and the law. And now, behold, I say unto you that the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. And Christ is the Holy One of Israel. Wherefore, ye must bow down before him and worship him with all your might, mind, and strength and your whole soul, and if ye do this, ye shall in no wise be cast out. And inasmuch as it shall be expedient, ye must keep the performances and ordinances of God until the law shall be fulfilled, which was given unto Moses. And so here at the end of the chapter, Nephi is telling them that they need to still keep the law of Moses, at least until the Savior comes, uh, which is pointing to, toward him, uh, and then it will be done away. Uh, but it's interesting how the Nephites understood the the whole law of Moses better than the Jews did. They understood for the purpose for it. I bear testimony to the truth of the gospel and of these things that we've talked about and uh, of the words of Isaiah that Nephi is uh, giving us a better explanation of here. And say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.